Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of creativity and spirituality and discover what lights up your creative soul. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so excited to have my guest on today, Ning Tendo. So Ning is a published poet, a grief guide, a spiritual healer, and dream yogi specializing in the intersection of the healing power of dreams, rituals, and spiritual constellations as potent tools for helping the bereaved evolve and continue their relationship with their dead loved one and find the light side of grief. Her work as a grief guide is an integration of 10 plus years of Tibetan dream yoga, six plus years of spiritual healing and constellations work, shamanic breath work, African mourning and grief rituals, and a master's degree in spiritual psychology from Columbia University, as well as an embodiment of her personal experience grieving the death of her mother in 2018. I really wanted to have Ning on the podcast because death is a part of life. And I think that in our Western culture, we don't acknowledge that death is a part of life. We don't know how to be there for someone when a loved one passes. We don't know how to cultivate a relationship with our loved ones who have passed. And we don't know how to hold ourselves through our grief. And I've had a very personal experience with grief over these last couple years. And although I haven't lost anyone close to me, I've been spending a lot of time grieving and grieving all of the things that I haven't given myself space for to grieve over the last 29 years of being on this planet. And so in this episode, we talk about death and grief and death being a part of life. We talk about how to connect and communicate with your loved ones who have passed on. We talk about connecting to your loved ones through dreams and how to remember your dreams and to start interpreting the symbols in your dreams and how to use dream work to move through grief and how to cultivate and practice ritual for yourself so that you can create a container to hold your grief and to connect to the other side. So I'm really, really excited for this episode and it's a perfect time to share this with you while in the Northern Hemisphere, we are in the middle of winter And winter tends to be that time of stillness, of slowness, and perhaps connecting with the other side and reflecting on our relationship with life and death as, you know, we see the trees that are in their cycle of not bearing anything, but just being bare and being empty and what happens in that void of emptiness and uh, seemingly darkness during the darkest days and darkest time of the year. So really grateful for Ning for opening up this space and just sending love to you if you are going through a period of grief or if you have lost someone close to you. 
And I encourage you to listen to this episode. And if you know someone who has lost someone, if you know someone who would benefit from this conversation of death and of grief, I encourage you to send this episode to them and let them know that you're thinking of them. Because in my experience, when I've had friends who have people in their life who have passed on, it is really hard to know how to show up for them because our culture doesn't teach it to us and our culture also doesn't hold that space. And I found it really helpful to ask the people in my life about their loved one that has passed on and to not shy away from those conversations because chances are if you have someone that you've lost, it actually really helps to talk about it and it really helps to bring those shadows to the light, to bring the dark to the light and to allow yourself to walk through periods of darkness and periods of grief while you have someone to guide you. So I'm so grateful for Ning and her work. I'll leave all of her information in the show notes. And without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Ning Tendo. Hello, Ning. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Co podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored to be here today, Leah. Yeah, I'm super excited about our conversation. I just, yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that I just feel like this is going to be a really good one. And I found you in like the most, <laughs> I would say like synchronistic way because I have been thinking about, there's been a lot going on in my psyche about dream work, about grief mm. and about people navigating grief and just about death as an idea, death as a reality and the fact that our culture is so death adverse. So I was very glad that I stumbled upon your work. But before we get into all of that, the question that I love to ask people when they first come on is what is currently lighting up your creative soul? Yeah, so I really like this question and I heard you ask a few podcast guests and it's something I think is so close to me because for me right now, I feel like I'm working with the concept of becoming more visible. So I have always been deeply passionate about death and grief and really this aspect of, you know, the dark faces and cycles of life and why we must suffer. Like, why do we have to suffer? How can we move through this with precision? And it's something I've always explored, you know, through dream work. I have volunteered at a hospice before, but I have always been very shy and not necessarily wanting to expose that part of myself out to the world. Mm -hmm. And so in the last two months, I've been working to really, you know, become more visible, become more open about sharing my truth and just really sharing the gifts that I've had for my journey with grief after my mother died because I feel like this aspect of death there's so much fear around it you were talking about that it's we live in a very grief adverse culture and death and grief are really in the closet and nobody really wants to talk about that and even when we do talk about that there's so much focus on only the dark side of grief but through my experience through working with other people you realize it's a light side of grief you know there's a journey that you can make to the light side of grief and I found that dream work is really a potent and powerful way to work with grief and with death and so that's kind of what I that's where I am right now in my life just becoming more visible and just sharing that truth with people wow then I love that we've connected right yes, now because yes. it's like definitely yes. the practice of being seen and having your voice be heard and sharing your story and I'm so yes. Like your, yes. your work focuses on, right, there's that dark side, that shadow side, that 
the side that does want to be hidden in the shadows, but then there's the gifts in in those situations. And that's that like light and dark of life. And that exists in any transformation or anything like that. So I'm so glad we're going to get into all of this because I'm really curious, first of all, about your personal journey with grief. How did you get into this work? I know your mother passed and that was a huge, a huge catalyst for you. So would you mind talking it just about what introduced you to this work and yeah, what have you explored and discovered with it? Sure. So two weeks after my mother died in 2018, she visited me in a dream and we Mm -hmm. walked down the path and it was my childhood home path. And we were talking and I asked her, like, why did you die? Like, what is this? You know, and she like answered with a very stoic expression. She's like, it was the plan. It is always the plan. And Leia, I have to tell you, I was so pissed and angry. I'm like, who co-signed this plan? Like, excuse me? And I was so angry. And as it is with dreams, when you get very emotional, you wake up. And, you know, it's not strange that I had this dream because even three days before she died, I had a dream that was telling me that she was going to die. And so... From my childhood, I have always been deeply, deeply connected with the dream world. I remember being like six years old and I would go in my through my afternoon nap and I would blindfold myself to block out the sun and I'll just go into dreaming and mm-hmm. I would travel into different places. I would be in underworld realms and stuff. And I also come from an African culture. I'm Cameroonian, mm-hmm. where basically the supernatural and other realms of existence are so deeply steeped into the culture and it's just really part of life. So it's very natural to talk about other, you know, other realms of reality and even to see death as just being a changing of skin and a transition into another realm so that's really been part of my upbringing and as I grew up though I kind of grew up you know like there's always that familiar story very catholic and then there's this fight between catholicism and then the spiritual realm and how do to balance that out Mm. and so once I grew up for a couple of years probably till my mid-20s or so to late 20s I was kind of out of the spiritual realm until like one day I had like an out-of-body experience where I was floating on the roof in my apartment in New York. And that just really launched me into this spiritual awakening. And throughout that journey, I feel like dreams have always been my, my way of connecting to myself at a deeper level and to life. And no matter what was happening around me, if I had dreams, that always felt super wholesome. And then ultimately just really exploring, I still getting very interested in the shadow aspects of life. Really like, you know, you go through a breakup and you have this massive, you know, meltdown. And you're like, how, how do I process this? How do I move through this? And with that, with time, I also started volunteering in the hospice. Like, so just really going closer to death, like sitting with people who were transitioning and just doing that work. And I was working at the time, like I used to do shamanic breathwork, people who were going through like dark transitions. But then my mother got sick and eventually died. And then like oh, life was like, you know, you're not going to just talk the talk. You're going to walk the talk. Wow. So Yeah. So I was thrown into this massive, massive dark night of the soul. And the grief was just unbearable because I had been super close and attached to my mother. Mm-hmm. And literally that was my worst nightmare coming into fruition, you know? And so I just had this period of just complete discombobulation. And what was so hard again was being in the culture, being in the US where people don't really know how to support you in your grief. People almost, people feel like, oh, grief is a two week thing. 
Whereas it really is a lifelong process. And in Cameroon, we have so many rituals culturally that really help you move through grief, you know. I know when I grew up, you know, like in, in, in pop, popular culture, people have called Africa like a dark continent and they meant it to be derogatory, right? And I used to be always pissed about it. But through my journey with grief, I'm like, actually, we are but not from the way that people think about it. We have mastered the art of darkness and chaos and death and transitions. Mm -hmm. And we have engineered rituals that help people really make that transition smoothly, as well as help the dead people to also transition to their next life or whatever is happening after that. And so I was really missing that community here in the US and I felt like deeply lonely. And it was really a big journey to go into the depths of my uh, grief. And I remember I, I had a, my spiritual teacher pull me aside one day after a meditation. And he's like, Ning, and you have to allow yourself to be sad. Like, just go lock yourself in a room for three months and allow yourself to be sad. Or you're going to wake up, you know, at 50 with a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did that. I, I scheduled what I like to call tea sessions with grief. And every day at 3 p.m., I would lock myself up for 90 minutes and just really go through my grief. And really and that's kind of how going through that deep deep darkness the anger the anxiety panic attacks depression like sometimes even suicidal thoughts you know and feelings like going through all of that you come to a place where when you fully surrender into that then you enter into this hall of like almost like where you enter into the hall of universal pain and it becomes it's not just my pain it's our pain and then you really be begin to interact with the dilemma of what it means to be human and the fact that this aspect is death, this grief is really part of what it means to be human. And how do you move through that with precision and with grace? And for me, like, for example, I have a, a book that was published, a poetry book that came out of my grief. I was never a poet before grief. And that was the only way I could express my grief. And the poems literally just came out. I was working with poems through dreams. I got them through dreams. And so this journey really exposed me to deeper parts of myself that I never knew existed. And I like to think of think of it like, for example, you know, you might imagine that you lived your whole life in a one bedroom apartment. And then one day somebody walks in and says, actually, you live in a mansion, you live in a seven, eight bedroom house somewhere. And really that's what death and grief does if you let it move through you if you can really approach it with openness it reveals parts of yourself that you never knew existed and that's for me is my message like to people and it's really helping grieving people to make that journey and the great thing is you actually get to keep your connection alive with your dead loved one you don't have to move on and i think it's just so powerful wow oh my gosh First yeah this oh my god there were so many good things in there thank you for sharing all of that because yeah, I mean, there's so much there. I think in the U.S. culture, especially, it's like, right, we don't look at death. We don't honor that there is a spiritual journey, you know, behind all of the life transitions that we go through. And I just loved the part where you were saying that you schedule time for your grief. And like, that's kind of, and so it's like, in a way, it brought up this like feeling of like, you're tending to your grief, you're paying attention to it, you're actually treating yes. care, instead of shoving it down to the darkest parts of you deep, deep down, then it manifests in all those ways of panic attacks and anxiety, because when we're not tending to what's yeah. actually present, we're it's still going to come out in other ways. So and also just all of your connection with the dream world. And having that connection through childhood I'm just so I want to kind of piece that dream part out piece out of it because 
what has been your experience with, I mean, and just the beautiful story you shared about meeting your mother a couple of weeks after her death in the dream world, like for people who have never heard of dream work as a concept or the fact that our dreams aren't just random things, like what are, how, in your, in your point of view, what are our dreams? Like what is the dream world and how can we start to use our dreams to connect with that other side of reality, to connect with that other world, to connect to people who maybe have crossed over. Like, how would you begin to make that transition when I feel like in our culture, most of the time people are like, oh, they just disregard their dreams entirely. They don't know how to interpret their dreams as messages from psyche. So yeah, will you talk a little bit about just dreams and how do you begin to make that connection? Okay, yeah, I absolutely love that like dreams like they just light me up from the inside out because one of the big things I feel about dreams is that dreams are direct communications with our innermost consciousness mm. you know the super conscious level these are communications and dreams no matter the dreams they offer us healing images I know like there are some scientific schools that say that dreams are just like nonsensical images, you know, processing the day. And there are many different levels of dreaming. And if you look throughout history, if you see all the different ancient cultures from the Egyptians to the Greeks to the Native Americans, they have all valued dreams in one way or another as communications with the spirit realm, with the realm of ancestry. And even now from a psychological western perspective you have people like freud and young who kind of like still shedding the light on dreams and the importance of dreams as ways to connect with us our unconscious minds but from a deeper spiritual perspective so let me see how do i go into this so most people just think that we have a physical body right we're in the world today we have a physical body but in reality we have multiple different bodies we have an emotional body or astral body we have a mental body and when we sleep and when we when we sleep at night, we transfer consciousness to the other bodies that we have. And that's how we go into those different realms. And within the dream realm, many times most people are at a level of their personal unconscious where they're meeting like their different inner complexes or archetypes, like the different issues, like you're processing your day, you know, like for example, somebody does something bad, bad to you. It's a slight, you know, your partner says something that pisses you off and you're there in the dream and you're having this processing of the dream and there's that level of dreaming where you're processing and no matter the level you're this is actually communications from your inner intelligence to help you to resolve whatever issues unwind the knot and to really bring about a level of integration and wholeness you know to you and healing and the thing like most people like they're afraid like they have nightmares and they're so afraid of nightmares and people say oh i don't dream and all of that and it's really again it's because of the culture that we live in where we don't value our dreams and as soon as you start you know putting value of importance towards your dreams they start coming and you really begin to see that it's a two-way communication between you and other realms of existence and there's this there's this idea like this is actually a very interesting fact is that we spend a third of our lives sleeping if you live until you're six years old you'd have spent about 20 years sleeping and four years dreaming okay (laughs) and so the deep deep work why dreams are so powerful and so transformative is because your your consciousness you're meeting your unconscious mind right and with dreams you're working with the tectonic plates of your reality 
So let's say you have issues and you go to a therapist, you're talking like, so you're talking to the therapist trying to resolve stuff. You're working with the symptoms. And really these are all projections of deeper unconscious patterns. Mm -hmm. And within the dream phase, you can directly access those patterns, you know, and whatever happens at those levels, they really have like big massive repercussions at the conscious level. And so they're like super important. And also they're very, it's really like a shortcut to process your issues and deal with them. And then things are getting really interesting when you become lucid in your dreams, like you become aware that you're dreaming, right? And so for people who are new to dreaming and just the value, like there's a lot of stories out there, like even from a visitation dreams perspective, a lot of research. There's this scientist, Stephen Labert, she did a lot of research in Stanford on, and stuff around like lucid dreaming and the importance of dreaming. And you even have people today, like athletes use dreams to practice like for athletic performance. People use dreams for creativity, you know, it's a lot of talk, like all of this big creative, like Salvador Dali, for example, he used the dreamscape as his muse like there's that popular painting I don't know if you know of the melting clocks do you know that painting oh yeah 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 so they say he's like he saw that in a dream people like Kekule who did the benzene ring chemistry mm. he got the inspiration from a dream and so like there's all of these really huge ways that dreams affect your life and from a deeper like when it comes to like people who are passed on it's so very easy to keep that connection alive through the dream, through dreams, because for example, they would visit you in dreams. And again, there are more, there are different kinds of dreams. You have what you call like the release dreams, which are really your psychological processing. So you might, like I saw my mother in the beginning, I had nightmares every night. She was dying every day. And mm. those were like super traumatic. But then you have the dreams where it's her consciousness or her spirit, whatever people want to call that, that comes to visit you. And you can keep that connection alive through the visits. And most people have those kind of visits like spontaneously. It, it doesn't matter if you're religious, you believe in an afterlife. They've had atheists who have had those dreams. And when you have those dreams, nobody has to convince you that you had a visitation dream. You, the feeling that it leaves within you, you know, you just feel, you feel that you actually were visited by your person. And so there are different, many different ways that you can use dreams really to kind of move towards wholeness and integration. And mm -hmm. I can go in all directions, but I want you to kind of point me where you want to go yeah I can talk for days about this no I mean I yeah I love <laughs> that yeah the questions that are coming up for me are one what happens when right when people don't remember their dreams because like my husband he rarely remembers his dreams and I like I'll remember my dreams like maybe three or four times a week and then yeah. there are nights where I don't remember my dreams but so I'm curious about like what that says about people who who claim to never remember their dreams and then two, the other question that is coming up is like when we receive, you know, symbols and dreams or just like things are happening and we're maybe not aware that we're processing something from our day. Like how do we interpret, how do we begin to interpret the images that are presented to us in dreams? Wonderful. Thanks. Those are really great questions. So again, like, so for the dream recall, right, that the first thing is everybody dreams, we just don't remember them. Yeah. And also it depends on how much value you put on dreams, for example. So if a person doesn't really care about the dreams and puts no value, it's this idea of energy goes where attention, you know, it goes where attention goes. And so if you don't care about it, you're not going to necessarily remember them i'll talk about how you remember them because even right now when you wake up in the morning there's a very specific way to wake up to remember your dreams 
And if I don't do those practices, if it's not like a very vivid, crazy dream, I wouldn't remember. Like I, I, I wouldn't remember because what's happening again, as I said, is you are like, you have the physical body, emotional and like mental. So the dreams are happening at different levels. And the challenge is bringing them all the way down into your physical body and into your consciousness mm -hmm. and to your memory. And so again, your lifestyle also affects your dreaming, right? If you're not sleeping well, for example, like you're sleeping four or five hours, you're probably, you're missing out REM sleep, which is like the state when you actually dream, like rapid eye movement. So you're missing that. If you're drinking alcohol, like whenever I want to go deep in my dream practice, I don't drink. So if I'm drinking, I know I'm not going to remember my dreams so well. So your lifestyle, like the, what you do kind of affects like the dream recall. So let's say you have everything in place. The way you go to sleep too also impacts the dreaming. So for example, I have an evening ritual that I do before going to bed to prepare myself for sleeping and for dreaming. And I can talk about that in a little bit. And then the way you wake up, when you wake up, right? First of all, if you want to remember your dreams, the key first thing is just set the intention. I want to remember my dreams tonight. Like tonight I want to, and then you in the future as you develop, you can even incubate dreams. Like, okay, I have this problem at work. I have this creative issue I have, I want to figure out. You can incubate the dream to tell you and to give you the answer in the dream. But very basic, you want to just remember your dreams. So you just set the intention. Like tonight when I sleep, I'm going to remember my dreams. That's it. You go to sleep. And the very key thing when you wake up, if it's possible not to wake up with an alarm, that's really helpful because the alarms kind of jar you you know or if you must use an alarm there's like the there's this app called alarmy which has really nice gentle alarms that can wake in a gentle way but the key is you don't want to move your body like somehow when you move the body it changes the energy configuration and so you want to like just lay still give yourself five minutes and just open yourself up and invite the images of the dream to come true and really if you do that like just laying there for a minute waiting for the dream the images they start coming true and if they don't what you can do is you can tune yourself to how are you feeling in your body are you feeling sad are you feeling happy like what is the frequency that you're feeling and just tune into that and what happens like an image is going to come true once you cling to that image it starts unwinding almost like a a, a, a twine and you're unwinding mm -hmm. it out and if images and scenes are coming out and the beautiful thing is that the more you the more it's like almost like this association and there's just that the whole picture comes and again in the beginning it might be hard like when I jump back into my practice some days I remember just one or two and maybe it's just a little image like oh there was a blue cup that's it other days I'm having epics you know like 20 dreams that I'm writing down like writing pages and pages of dreams and so it's just a practice and it's almost as though you're communicating your inner intelligence when you say that I want to remember I value my dreams speak to me then it's the the intelligence that's working with you on the dream images start coming true and you start remembering your dreams and the next thing is when you remember them you write them down so you take five ten minutes to kind of get the images and then you write the dreams down and that's a really important part and if you're really wanting to work with do this work you can just have a dream journal i personally prefer like a, a mobile phone app so i use the app for that writing my dreams and mm -hmm. even if you don't remember the dream or anything just write today i do not remember my dream it's just a matter of showing up and like you're creating that energy pattern to start working with the dreams within two days, three days, you're going to start recalling images from the dreams. Mm. So that's like a basic way of how to do recalls, a bunch of different things that you can do 
to troubleshoot if you're not really remembering the dreams. A lot of different practices that you can do. And then the, the other question was about like, how do you interpret the dreams? Like, how do you yeah. work with them? So I'll tell you that like through an example, for example, like I'll walk you through like a dream I had three days ago with my mother, for example. I begin, you even only need just one image. You need like a whole elaborate, you know, like story. Just one image is fine. And I'll just share a simple image. So in the dream, I was sitting down. My mother was to my left and I had her perfume that she used when she was alive and it's called Jabot. Mm. And I was just dosing myself in that perfume. And that was the image, I was just dosing myself. And so when I wake up to work with this dream, like what I would do is the first thing you wanna do is if you have multiple different images in the dream or a storyline, you just sit quietly and attune yourself to the dream and just ask within yourself. Again, it's a new language, it's a communication that you're learning. You ask within yourself, what image is the most important for me to focus on in this dream, right? Mm -hmm. And something just comes true. You're gonna just feel the image and there's no, it's not rational. Don't second guess yourself. You just go to that image. So let's say, for example, in my case, it was the perfume, Jador. And then when I go, it's like, you ask the question, like, what do I need to know about this perfume? What are my associations with it? And so, for example, when I think about perfume, I think about, for me, it was the smell. It was my mother. That was her signature smell. It was her presence. It was her essence. Mm. Okay. And that's something, that's one part of it. Another part, for example, when I think of perfume, I think of my own perfume that I like, which is called, it's a sunset. It's called Dreams Sunset. Wow. And it's by, by coach. You know, and when I look into that, it's like you, you start asking yourself the question, like, what does that mean to me, like this perfume coach? And for me, for example, the coach, it meant to me like coach is this luxury brand fashion. But if you think about the word coach, it's something that's more like an economy, like I'm flying coach, I'm traveling coach. Mm. And it's these people who have used this brand, like this name, and they've taken a name that was very plain and they've made it to something else. And so for me, that's how I interpret that. And so like, where am I seeing this in my life? And I'm going to bring this full circle, like me now trying to be visible, for example, working on that. And there's this idea of I'm taking something to me that I feel like the dream work for me, something I kind of feel not ashamed of, but that people are going to think I'm crazy, like working with dead people. And so, but I, how, how do I take that and make it mine and make it into something else? And for me, my mother and her perfume is, for me, it's this sense of she's with me and she's her essence, she's blessing and she's in support of what I'm doing right now. Her essence is with me, supporting me to move forward with that. And mm -hmm. that's how I would take it. And to take the medicine of the dream, what you would do once you kind of ask, because you're always going to bring the images back to things that are happening and present in your life right now. And you would sit and attune to that image in meditation. And like for me, it's like the perfume was being doused on me. And so I would sit quietly with that image in my heart and I would just take in the energy of that and the, the healing and the support and just allow that to move completely, you know, through me. And you might like write that down. And a way to do the ground dreams is to create a ritual or do something very simple that really grounds that on the physical realm. And mm -hmm. so for me that day, maybe I might do a ritual to acknowledge my mother's support. Like I might listen to her music, you know, and just listen to that music. Or I might cook something that she really loved to eat and have that. Like that's a, like a way to ground. Like I see you. Thank you for your support. And I feel your presence in my life. And that's like a really quick, easy way to work. But it's a new language. And if you communicate, 
with the images, they're going to speak right back to you. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is like so helpful because there is, I love that there is a process that it's just like, if you're someone who's like, oh, I never really remember my dreams. No, you can actually start to learn and make a connection and start to really learn this language because it is this connection to the other side and we all have access to it. We just yes. have to, you know, make that connection and make that relationship. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious, as you were saying, like crafting rituals to either process the message or the medicine of the dream and just, and even, you know, with grief too, like, and it's like, I think rituals too, you mentioned it was a big part of your culture, yes. but in the, you like in the Western society, we aren't focused on rituals. We don't have ritual practice. So what would you say for someone who doesn't have, like, how would you begin to incorporate rituals into your life and rituals that are helping you to move through things metaphorically, like on those different body levels that we were talking right. about when right. like, well, yeah, what would be your advice to start out with that? And like, do you need some kind of guide or mentor to guide you through those rituals? Or can you just make up the ritual to what would feel good for you right. or how would that work? Yeah. And I think like rituals are super, super important, like just to help us to move through lives different you know the different transitions that we experience in life and in the american culture we do have rituals but they're mostly attuned to the like phases of life so we have like rituals when a baby is born and you have like how do you call them again like the baby shower there you go the baby shower yeah. i was missing the word you have like the marriage the marriage ceremony like you have like a big ritual that's a big ritual right. you have the graduation ceremonies and you have the funerals too but then you really need like this rite of passage rituals to kind of go through those more difficult transitions like that like death so for yeah. example in my culture like when you experience a death like death of a loved one it's really not seen as a personal tragedy it's a community affair everybody mm -hmm. is hands-on and we have what you call like professional criers people mm -hmm. who scream and like when when we in Cameroon like when somebody dies the grief people are screaming and rolling on the ground and tearing their clothes like the the grief is is violent it's wild it's vigorous and like it's really in proportion to what has happened to you, like a destruction of your whole life and your whole self. And we have like a whole bunch of rituals that really allow you, like, so for example, those people that are screaming and crying, it gives you, it gives you safety. It gives you a sense of safety. It gives you permission to just go nuts and crazy. And just to break through that first level of grief, you have rituals where, for example, like when my mother died, we have to take all her clothes and share among her sisters. And they have to wear the clothes for like a year or you have like her uncles have to they we have to give them like fruits like maybe corn or whatever they plant it and every year they eat you know like the harvest and they eat that you know so you have all of these bigger community rituals that help you but at the same time especially if we live in a culture like the u.s where it's not necessarily the case there are many private rituals personal rituals that you can yourself do kind of remember your person and just to acknowledge you know what has happened and it's not necessarily only for death it's really any transition that you're going through in your life it's just to really it marks time and it really helps you to move because once we experience like this 
pains, this grief, this slights, whatever they may be, there is a transition that has to move. You have to do from one state of being into another. But most people get lost in that liminal phase, that phase where the new hasn't really formed yet and the old is no longer available to you. It could be a job loss, a divorce, a move, whatever it is, and there's no way to move. And so it's just crafting ways that feel nourishing to you and really rituals are really indigenous to the person you know it's who you are and what's you know what makes sense or what matters to you and so for example like a simple ritual for me like with my mother I created a playlist with all of her favorite music like her songs and when I want to feel close to her I would just play the songs you know that's like a very simple ritual and there are different like rituals you can go you know, you can create a memory capsule. Like for example, let's say you're going through a transition, like maybe you lost your job or you have an ending. You wanna like, you can go through a ritual where you acknowledge all the good things about whatever that was. Like you really acknowledge, and you might take different little things to symbolize that experience. Or like if it was a job, maybe you have a notepad, a pen that symbolizes that you acknowledge all of that, have that. And you can either, for example, if you wanna acknowledge the ending, you can like, you know, break it, you can, throw something away like all of these little ways there's something very powerful when you do it physically like in the physical realm because the power of rituals is that so it's a safety true containment they provide boundaries and most people are so afraid to go into grief into darkness all of that because it feels like it feels like there's no bottom to it the darkness like you're going to be overwhelmed mm. and consumed but a ritual offers you a boundary and so for example, if you want to create a ritual, what I would do is I would first of all create a sacred space. And all that means is I could just light a candle or I could just mm. intend my space to be sacred, nothing fancy. And I would do an invocation to, because with rituals, the power also comes because you're also calling in support from something that's greater than you. And it doesn't matter whether you're spiritual or not spiritual. If you are, you can call in the universe, God, spirits. If you're not, you can call in nature, you can call in archetypes you know, like the goddesses, you can call in like the intelligence of the body, whatever it is, you want to call in some transcendent force to kind of hold and contain the experience for you. And then you want to go into the ritual, you know, whatever, like the symbolic, the representations, you want to use the power also is in the symbolism of rituals. You want to have physical things that represent whatever it is that you're trying to either release or move forward from. And you want to have that and just have that process to move through whatever it is and there's an aspect of planning out the ritual what you want to do if you're making it more elaborate so for example when I was grieving my ritual was just literally and it wasn't fancy at that point I didn't even really think of it as a ritual per se I just scheduled 3 p.m every day I closed myself in my room made a place and I just cried my eyes out for an hour mm -hmm. and at the end I just journaled my experience and then I kind of went about my day and so it doesn't have to be anything elaborate but it can just be like little things that allow you just to bring awareness to what is present with you to give it expression and allow it to change form or shape into whatever it needs to be that's how we make that transition and again obviously if it's a bigger transition like the death of a loved one or something really traumatic you might need support from somebody to guide you through mm. that process it might be harder to go into it yourself without having some kind of person to guide you through the process so yeah mm, wow this is so helpful because it's it's it it's like as you're talking I'm like oh the ritual is helping you to alchemize the experience yes and it yes. seems like grief like I'm kind of curious about grief just as an, an emotion because as you said like 
grief, we, I feel like we mostly think of grief as the death of a loved one, but in my experience too, grief happens when you go through a transition, like a transition automatically brings up grief because it's any time there is an ending. So whether that yeah. is the loss of a job or the loss, you know, the loss of a home, the loss of self, the loss of self, the loss of a loved one. Like, I'm curious about the different like levels and layers of grief, because in our culture, especially, I feel like we only feel like we're worthy to grieve if we've yes. lost someone close to us when yeah. there's all these other transitions in life that we do grieve. And even like I had this experience during my wedding where I, that whole year prior to my wedding, I was processing so much grief mm. and it like, you know, you kind of get into this mindset where you're like, well, isn't this supposed to be a happy time? And like, I, I hear people talking about that when they have babies and yes. you know, things that society is like, oh yes, this is a joyful time. You should only be feeling joy when no, there's a whole myriad of things that we can feel and grief is part of that transition as well. So will you talk about, yeah, just the different layers of grief and how grief might show up not only in death, but death in other sense, in other like words, senses of the word as well right and yeah and I think like what you were feeling with your marriage is so valid and people don't realize it's just you're transitioning from one identity to another as a single person to now a couple a unit it's a big transition and even if where you're going is something joyful that you really want there's a grieving and mourning that has to happen of that identity that you no longer have access to and it's like you want to close that journey like in a very nice way so you can move forward fully you know like one like in the past and one like in the future and I think it's something super valid for people to feel when you have babies when you're getting married all the happy things you know even graduation you're graduating you're going to a new yeah. level but then you're probably losing like the freedoms or like the all the other things that you had at the lower level whatever that is so I think yeah. it's super valid and I love that you called that out that as an aspect of grief that people really necessarily acknowledge so when it comes to grief I like to think of grief as occurring in five different dimensions mm -hmm. and so you have the personal dimension of grief right and then you can have grief at the personal level which is from the death of a loved one which that's what everybody thinks grief is you can have grief from any kind of ending in your life or transition whether it's a job loss it's a divorce it's a breakup a friendship that ends even people moving locations like changing apartments houses states countries it's a lot of grief and then you also have the grief that is just from the everyday living of life that's inherent to life little slights the abandonment little things that happen here and you know the slides that people never really see you also have grief from what i like to call like this that's like really soul loss and it could range from like very small things to like very traumatic experiences from like a rape sexual abuse emotional abuse like genocides wars you have that grief from all of those kind of violations that mm -hmm. happen to you there's also a lot of grief that comes from this feeling of being purposeless like you don't have a sense of if uh, purpose like you don't know why you're here and there's just this lack of meaning in your life and one that nobody really ever thinks about is there's also a big grief that comes from our loss of connection to nature it's also mm. personal right because there's this our psychic inheritance as humans is really this deep intimacy with life with nature with animal kingdom and all that and we're lost that and because they're really very enriching so it's a grief that comes from that missing aspect of it 
And then when you move from the personal dimension, you're going out to the family field, right? Mm -hmm. And in the family, we all are born into different family systems, family fields, and our families come with different traumas, intergenerational traumas, different stories, different frozen themes that repeat, like maybe alcoholism, it may be mental illness, it may be diabetes, whatever it is. There's grief that is in the family field and that gets passed down from generation to generation. And we inherit grief from our family field. And sometimes that gets us frozen and stuck in energies that we can move forward in our lives. And you see, so for example, grief, like personal grief, Many times you can walk through that kind of stuff. Some of them you can walk through therapy and all of that. When you enter the family field, then you go into a deeper spiritual level where you go into spiritual consolations, family consolations, all of that, all of that kind of work, that kind of grief. And then you go now into the grief that is cultural, that you inherit from your culture. Like so I as a black person, I hold the collective grief of slavery. It's in my it's in my field. I mean, that field of the Jew people who were of Jewish ancestry, they hold that from the the world war and all the genocide that happened, the Native Americans, so that's like all these different cultural fields and you inherit all of that kind of grief and it affects your life. And then you also have the planetary grief, grief from the planet, like the destruction of the earth and mm -hmm. all that is happening, like the climate crisis, you know, all the different things, deforestation, there's a lot of grief that comes from that. We don't even realize where it's there, but it's, it belongs to all of us as humanity. Mm -hmm. And you're looking now at the multi-dimensional archetypal incarnational level like different lives past lives and grief and stuff in, in issues traumas that bleed into this life like all of these different levels you know of wow. grief yeah so yeah I'm so glad that you thank you for going through all those levels because you realize there's so much grief and like grief is such a part of life and if we're totally yeah cut off from grief we're cutting off these essential aspects of self that we can then never get to the other side the gifts that you were talking about that grief brings us through when we move through the journey of grief so it's like we're not only in it as a result of not feeling the grief then we're not able to fully claim the gifts and yes. so like and when I because I when I think about all those different layers of grief the feeling that comes up is like wow, that's so much that does feel overwhelming. Like it would feel like if we were really to touch in, you know, and let yourself go deep there, there would be so much pain that it's like, well, how would we even be able to handle the pain? How would we be able to move forward with our lives? And maybe rituals are the answer where you create that safe container so that you can feel really safe. But for people and who for people who might be in the midst of the grief, in the midst of that dark night of the soul, what kind of advice or solace like would you say of how can they begin to just really tend to their grief work with their grief in a way that feels like it's not as overwhelming or life you know which maybe it just is maybe it's just part of the process yeah and I think like so there like I there's three main ways I like to I, I see us working with grief let me just take a step back I like to like the way how do you move through grief like because it's just this pain that feels so insurmountable the first thing I like to say is context you need context of your pain you need context for your pain so for example if it's the death of a loved one for example or whatever transition like even like the like let's say your wedding even just something that's even supposed to be happy happy you're feeling this grief the sadness if you have the context that I'm feeling this way because I am ending 
an identity and I'm moving into another one. That's why and it's okay and it's normal to feel this way. That I that context, that awareness just gives you permission to even allow it to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, because there are different stages, you know, of grief. Like I kind of broke it down like when you just have an event that happens to you, you're in this crisis phase where your nervous system is completely out of whack, your stress hormones. And at that point, all you're trying to do is survive and you're trying to cope. And it's so important to work with grounding rituals to really ground yourself over and over to self soothe yourself, whether it's through breath work, it's through visualizations, it's through meditation. And so you need to first figure out how to cope with whatever things, the emotions, the, whether it's the anger, the guilt, like how do you just cope just to survive the present moment? Mm. And then once you're able to stabilize yourself, your nervous system, the stress response, then that's when you move into the third part, which is containers. Like how do you tend your grief? And you need the right containers that will allow you to tend your grief without it really consuming you. And I'll give an example just from my life and how that worked. So I remember during my current sessions, I was so angry at, I found like there was this deep, deep rage at God and life, whatever people want to call that. Like I was like, why did my mother die? And at that point I had been, I've been a spiritual healer. I've been working like as a spiritual healer. I've been doing healing on my mother. I've been doing all of this deep work. My mom was a very person who was always like god prayers i'm like just what in the world like mm. i was really really pissed and that's the thing it's so interesting like you can know all your spiritual wisdom or whatever until it happens to you like i'm like nobody told me about god in that moment because i was very just pissed at life and i didn't know how to express or how to contain because i really felt like this rage would consume me and it would destroy me and also i grew up being catholic and of course you and curse God out because you're gonna go to hell and I couldn't but at some point the rage was so big and it was so violent that literally I took out a piece of paper and I literally vomited words on the page and it was a poem and it was called when God was a dictator mm. and this poem I in that poem I basically cursed the shit out of God <laughs> and life and I was so pissed but then the power with that was that as soon as I did that, that energy completely was released into me. And that poem contained the energy. It took shape. That anger was on mm. the paper and it was out of me. And mm. it, I had shaped it into something else that was outside of me. And so that poetry art can be a very powerful container for this very like primal emotions in grief. Mm. That's one way like working with, because at the, at the level like with art, and really working with grief, you need metaphor, symbolism, anything that can allow you to use those because you're approaching grief from the side, not like face forward, you know? Yeah. And so poetry, art, you know, that is dance, is painting. That's a really powerful way. You have the, the grieving rituals, again, a container, and it's really great within community. That's why in the African culture, like when we have people together, if there's 10 people screaming, it's contained. Like everybody is like, it's holding space. And mm. another powerful way, which I personally want to I use now with people is dream work because you just incubate the dream and you process the dream. Because for example, many things that cause us grief cause us to repress our memories. Like, and it triggers us to repress the memories of the dissociate because they're super traumatic. And again, as you said, it takes so much psychic strength to contain like whatever the rage, the guilt, the regret. But the thing is with the great thing dreams is that it mediates this difficult content through symbols through metaphor you know through images and so for example things that somebody who has has, has been raped for example or has seen a, a murder the images are 
so violent for you to process in everyday consciousness. But in the dream phase, the dreams brings images to you that are able, you're able to basically process slowly. And over time, you're able to synthesize yourself from all of those really traumatic images and like really integrate it into your life. And these are all these ways to contain the grief. And so, and the more you spend time with the grief, like giving, and the key with grief is giving a space to express and to mm -hmm. take, because grief, we only ever see the dark side because we approach it with fear, we close around it. But if we feel safe enough, that's what we need the container. If we feel safe to give grief room to express, it shape shifts into something else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like, it's like the anger for me shifts into this poem. Like all of my grief, like I went through guilt, regret, all of this. And now I have a poetry book and I created wow. it into something. It changed into something else that was outside of me. And that's the thing, most people only think of grief they know like only the very dark ruthless side of grief but grief is also brutally honest because it reveals it strips you of all your mass all the parts that are not you and reveals what's most authentic to your soul and in the end grief is very very generous and I like to imagine life like if you think about like the the, the, the cyclical nature of life life is a cycle you're always going to have dark phases and mm -hmm. life the light phases. and I found out that when you have the dark phases if you can really approach them with openness with curiosity and go into it they're always gifts that come out and it's like they're like it feels like a puzzle pieces right and every dark phase has puzzle pieces to your life story and if you can extract the wisdom the soul gifts from those phases then you start assembling the picture of your life you know of your purpose like why are you here and that's what grief did for me like I couldn't even write a eulogy for my mother because I'm like how can you how do you reduce the woman who gave you life to words on a two-dimensional page but you know true grief exploring that the poet came and I didn't even have only the words just for eulogy I had a whole book to honor my mother is the grief that also revealed the advocate within me that wants to really help people like you know this is grief is always going to accompany us through life and we have to learn how to have a conversation a dialogue with grief and really grief she has a light side and a dark side and when we approach her with softness like any relationship if you approach a person with anger with, with you know hostility they're gonna close up and when you come at you know openness they reveal they shape shift you know and so that for me is all of those different things and the last piece of it is the two last piece the community needing community to work to help you process and then that interconnection is super helpful when you have support from transcendent forces because mm -hmm. it's so heavy to do it by yourself you know so you need context you need coping skills you need a container community and you need like interconnection with like forces bigger than you to, to process mm -hmm. it wow it's it's so beautiful because as you're talking it's like just the relationship between grief and creativity are so interconnected because creativity is that thing that alchemizes, that transforms, that, that expresses that grief through you. And it's just so, I mean, yeah, creativity is like the way to, to transmute. And it's like, you couldn't, you know, that, that creation, that poetry book that flowed through you, it was like that probably couldn't have come through you until you experienced this thing. Yes. And yes. so it's just so beautiful how those, like just the light side of grief too, just the gifts that it gave you. And you, you've been kind of talking about this, but I'm curious, just what would you say has been the biggest gift from, from your grief? Let's see. You know, it's funny, like my mother's death is the worst thing that ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to me mm. because it has opened me up 
to life in such a beautiful way. And I want to say I have like four main gifts that uh, grief gifted me. The first one was poetry. I believe that each person has an innate genius. Like, and I'm not talking genius. People think of genius. I think of Einstein or Beethoven. And like, it's something out there. Every single person alive is born with an innate genius. And it's so good that they can only, they can uniquely express. Mm -hmm. And grief, you can only have access to that part of yourself when you're being authentic to yourself. And authenticity comes with being able to embrace the beauty and the terror of life. And so each time you're able to embrace that terror, it reveals a gift to you. And in my case, it was poetry. And it's amazing how the poetry literally just flow, it flowed through me. Like, I'm like, I, it just felt so natural. I just felt so deeply connected. And I have an intuition about poetry and writing. And it's just this beautiful thing that just connects me and nourishes me like so deeply and even when I was writing the poetry many of the dreams many of the poems they came true dreams I actually had an inner editor who would work with me during my dreams like, to, to help me with the poems you know oh, wow. <laughs> yeah I worked with the poems that was a really beautiful gift another one I like to say is that grief gave me a passport to other realms of existence it gave me citizenship because mm -hmm. I've always recently traveled other realms like with dreams but then my mom's death was almost as though because she was there on that side whatever that side is it was like a homing device and it gave oh, me wow. access because really when you connect and you're like and those other realms you move at the speed of thought intention love and so because she's there, it's very much more, it's a lot easier for me to attune and tap into those realms and to be fully present in those realms. And really, wow. like my mom is so much a part of my life. Even the poetry book, when I wrote the book, she's the one who's like, okay, you need to like get going, like, let's go, you know? Mm. Or when I had a relationship and she's like, oh, have you told your dad? I'm like, no, she's like, don't tell him yet. Or when I broke up and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, it's okay, you'll be fine. So she's definitely a part. And so I feel like that was a big gift that really opened me up to other parts of life. And then ultimately it's purpose. I feel like I I never thought of myself working in grief or this, it was never part of my, my, my background. I have my undergrad in mathematics and econ and wow. I work for 12 years as a digital transformation consultant on Wall Street. Like, so I have been wow. technology. <laughs> That's my background. Wow. <laughs> this was a big switch, you know, and it opened me to this part of myself that I just never knew existed. And I think for me, that has been, you know, it's so beautiful. And it's that thing where I did a, I did an ayahuasca ceremony like about eight days before my mother died. And I was talking with, I don't know, people who are fa not familiar, it's plant medicine, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. And like through that experience, the, the idea was, you can have eight years with your mother or you can have eight days or eight hours. Time, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the content of how, the quality of the time that you spend with her and the idea like this is life. It's death is going to happen. It is just, it's just part of life. And like, how do you move through that? And I feel like I, obviously there's still a deep fear. Like I don't want people who I love to die, obviously, but there's a lot of peace now within me mm. around the paradoxes of life and death and the fact that death is not separate from life is inherently intrinsically part of what life is you know death fits mm -hmm. life you know and so like just and this idea that your your deepest form of comfort is at the center of your pain like literally when you go deeper you can go fully there you're gonna find your support in there and so this have like life lessons that have really like really they've fully changed the trajectory of my life
pretty much yeah wow thank you for sharing that that's so just beautiful and just seeing witnessing you and your work and the fact that you weren't you know this completely transformed your life in every way and just so beautiful that you're able to have a connection with your mother still even though she's not in the physical realm and I think that can give so much hope and yeah. comfort to others who have lost their loved ones that it's like it's not the end it's it's not that you'll never see them again or hear from them you can really connect with them and build a relationship and yeah just how cool that it I love that idea you've got a passport to the other realm. yes I like it I'm like guys you can have a passport <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's so cool Beautiful. Well, one of the last questions that I'll ask you is I love to share resources and recommendations to people. So is there any, any book or any kind of thing that you engaged with maybe around grief or dream work that really helped you on your path that you could recommend to us? Yeah. So I, I absolutely, I love books and I have a lot of books, so I'm going to break it down into a few resources, I think. So for grief, of from the death of a loved one there's this podcast called grief dreams by dr joshua black really good he talks mm -hmm. about to also pull about visitation dreams he's really like the pioneer in scientific research on grief dreams so i think that podcast is really great a book i love one of my favorite poets and philosopher Rena maria rica mm -hmm. he has the book called the dark interval letters of loss and grief and transformation and he talks to people and just consoles them about death and it's really deep and heartwarming and then other books around grief which is necessarily from the death of a loved one is one is called unattended sorrows and that's by stephen levine really amazing book and another one is called the wild edges of sorrow by francis weller that's mm -hmm. again for all these different types of grief and then when it comes to dreams if people want to work with visitation dreams with their loved ones there's this book called the dream messenger by i think patricia garfield another one which is called grief dreams and it's by tj ray and there's one more dream like uh, one more book on dreams which you're asking a lot about dream recall and how to work in a petition. I can't remember the title. I think it's in our work with dreams. I'll I'll think about it and I'll send that to you so you can put it on the podcast so people can Perfect. see it. But that's for just regular. How do you start working with dreams as a way to, you know, for wholeness and for integration in your life? So yeah, those are a few resources that I have. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll check all of those out. I've read the wild edges of sorrow and the other ones and that one yeah that one was so good yeah. beautiful well where can people find you where can they engage with your work and how can they how can they work with you if they are on a grief journey and need that support so just going back full circle i'm trying to be super visible on instagram right now so people can find me on instagram and my handle is at ning underscore tendo so first name underscore tendo and I also have a website that's called www.nintendo.com. And I actually create a scorecard on grief, like to help mm. people like, you know, like learn about more about grief and where you stand with your proficiency and the things that you can, the steps you can take to start learning how to tend your grief. I think it's that is scorecard backslash nintendo.com. I think I can send all the links and then, yeah, you Perfect. can share them. Yeah. Perfect. We'll have all that in the show notes. And just thank you so much, Ning. I'm just, yeah, really glad that we did connect because it felt like 
just very serendipitous. So thank you for all your wisdom and the work that you do, because it's so important to be able to talk about this stuff and to be able to share because people can feel so alone in their grief journey and feel like because it's not accepted in our culture, we can't go out on the street and start screaming and crying. There aren't really any safe containers built into our society so that they end up feeling more and more alone. But it's just really beautiful that you had to have your work as a resource and to be able to talk about it, to bring it out into the open. So I thank you for sharing your wisdom and just so grateful for you. Thank you so much, Leah, for the opportunity too, because I feel like the work that you're doing is so powerful. Like you're bringing all these different people, all of these different traditions mm-hmm. here to really help people to open up to themselves at a deeper level. And I'm so grateful that you created this space. And again, you're helping me too in my work to become more visible. Mm-hmm. So I'm deeply honored and grateful to be here, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.